Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Lucas. And today we're going to be getting into the subject of Sabbath rest. And so just yesterday, today is a Monday for us, the day of recording, and so just yesterday was the Sabbath day. And Mm. so, Lucas, I I hope your Sabbath day was restful. I know you've been going through a uh, busy weekend. Uh, Do you want to tell listeners anything about what's going on in your life? (laughs) (laughs) We're in the process of moving houses, uh, which is a... A long conversation, but uh, yeah, totally. so the weekend was not restful for us, and okay. we did choose to not move on the Sabbath. Okay, uh, good. Out good of for conviction. you guys. <laughs> um, now, my wife is pr- probably the one to thank for that one. I, w- I was a little bit more gung ho on it, uh, yeah. about it, but by God's grace, she she uh, <laughs> felt convicted not to move, and I think that was good. Yeah, that'll be an interesting part of our discussion today as we talk about rest, which is, we could say is the big topic here for us. Part of this discussion will, of course, then include, as good Reformed Christians, it will include maybe some discussion on the Sabbath and how we are to observe the Sabbath, uh, particularly the Lord's Day, Sunday, uh, but how also we can think of the Sabbath not just as a particular day, but as a grand biblical theme that is sort of woven through the narrative of Scripture, yeah. uh, which it is. And there's a lot to be said there. And so we'll try to kind of uh, touch base on that a little bit and and help, um, help us think through what that means and how to really understand the Sabbath theme throughout Scripture. I think there's really a lot to be said there. I think we can also start out this episode with maybe a little bit of a, a disclaimer that <laughs> Lucas, I think, and I would both say we're we're very much a learner on this, or we're learners in this subject. We are not there where we would like to be. I think we we have a, a lot of room to grow. I know I do. As I as we discuss this this subject and doing this for an episode today. I felt a lot of weight and even mm. some conviction. I don't think I rest well, mm. not as well as I would like at least. And so this is something I, I was a, sort of uh, had a lot of fear and trepidation about recording on because I think it's somewhere I can really grow, but I also have the excitement of the possibilities of growing. And so just talking about this and getting it, getting it in my mind a little bit more uh, I think will help me. Uh, several years ago, about a decade ago, I can remember coming across a little book called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung, which called me out in my busyness uh, and and pointed out the fast-paced world that we live in. And that was 10 years ago, and it seems like the world just keeps spinning faster and faster. So many things have, have happened over the past 10 years. Uh, for me, graduating seminary, mm. uh, the rise and fall of Donald Trump mm. uh, and all the social media mayhem that that created in our world. And I think even more than in 2013, most people, including myself, have an, have an attachment to social media or to our, our smartphones. Uh, and so one of the things I, I, I learned over the past 10 years was to turn off social media, actually. Mm. I only have Facebook. I only get on it from my computer, my cell phone does not have that sort of stuff and that has been seriously for my good maybe that's one thing that i have learned and i i can commend uh, from my own experience uh, but this is an important subject because i think for so many of us living in 2023 our lives are extremely busy yeah our lives are extremely then anxious and there is not a lot of peace in our hearts and so that can lead to all sorts of different maladies in our lives. That can lead to all sorts of different reactions. And we can feel like we're getting through life just just one little piece at a time, sort of just trying to barely stay afloat if possible, or at least stay near the surface so we can maybe come up for air at some point. And it just feels like we're, you know, always uh, 
being dragged down by the anxieties and cares of this world. So how can we rest? Lucas, so this was a subject that you you mentioned, sort of like uh, just war theory and violence. Uh, so what are some things that have been rattling in your brain as we come to the subject of rest? What has been causing you to think through this over the course of the past several months? Yeah. Well, and I think that this is something that I've been thinking through for years. And hmm. my, my guess is, and one of the reasons uh, I think Zach and I both have, um, I don't want to say anxiety, but just, um, yeah, some trepidation talking about this is because I think both of us have a, a decent vision on what it means to rest. Mm-hmm. We just feel like we don't rest I fall well. short of it. <laughs> yeah, we fall short of it. And yeah. my guess is that many of the listeners feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we don't want to do is we don't want to hand a drowning man a, a glass of water. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And that's the way I feel often when I hear people talk on the topic of rest, both in podcasts, but also sermons and a variety of other things, um, is that I'm a drowning man being hmm. ha- handed a glass of water. I'm I'm a father of three, a husband, full-time ministry, and so finding those times of rest feel very difficult. I have young children, hmm. and finding those times <laughs> of, of rest, both physical rest, but also um, spiritual rest. If, if any of you are parents, hmm. uh, you know that sitting at the dinner table and having this idealistic, restful, spiritual conversation with your children on a Sunday afternoon is uh, just about as impossible as can be. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping by God's grace, as my kids get older, that becomes easier. But mm. I have a seven, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. Those conversations are difficult, not restful. <laughs> Often involve some some higher volume of uh, voice. Uh, so I, I mm. guess the reason why this has been rattling around in my brain that that's part of it is how do I rest better? Mm. Um, how do I actually put into practice what I believe about the Sabbath, but also what I believe about rest in general, what God teaches us about rest? Hmm. And then second is uh, we do live in a culture, both broadly, but also more specifically here in, in this area, Ascalon Ripon area, where yeah. work is highly valued. Mm-hmm. Um, as it should be. As it should be, and that's a that's a very good thing. And there's some um, extreme benefits and, and some wonderful characteristics that I see in, in uh, this area. Hmm. But also, I think we end up seeing rest, both physical and spiritual rest, often kind of relegated to the side a little bit. Hmm. Um, or, I guess I'll just say, or a lot. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there can be an addiction to work. I think uh, if anybody knows their Protestant history... Uh, they will know that Protestants, and particularly Reformed Protestants, have been well known for what Max Weber called the Protestant work ethic, hmm. uh, which, which in some ways has been uh, to our great benefit and to the world's great benefit. Uh, there was an, an elderly man who has now passed in our church who would often point out, uh, just look at the the economic development of Protestant nations or mostly Protestant nations versus those of Catholic nations, which is a little bit of a straw man, I will say. Uh, But in in some ways it can't entirely be denied that Mm. there have been some benefits of Protestant nations being extremely uh, successful materially. And now this may bring, and I think you could argue very easily that it has brought its own social problems uh, and it's uh, working hard and making a lot of money isn't, isn't exactly the greatest uh, standard to go by, uh, the, the greatest metric for us to judge the success sure. of a nation. Uh, but all that to say that, is that Protestants have been known for being hard workers uh, and seeing this is beca- partly because of the Protestant understanding of vocation, of yeah. course, and how our vocations are holy. They don't just have to be a holy vocation like ministry or being a a missionary or being a a monastic. Those aren't the the only holy vocations and everything else is totally secular and unholy. Uh, We have seen that all vocations are holy as they are done to the Lord. And so therefore that has invigorated hard work. Um, And that's a wonderful thing. And so in our Dutch tradition in particular, that that is extremely clear to me, at least as an outsider, which we've now talked about a couple episodes ago. Uh, I've seen that 
and there's a lot of farmers in our churches here in this area, as you pointed out. And so there is a uh, strong commitment to the, the virtue and the goodness of work, and that is a good thing. But that can also come with its own its uh, downfalls, uh, vices that, you, that, that attend it, essentially. And so, yeah, how do we back away from the addiction to work? Some people may, may need the encouragement such, such as you find in Proverbs, to not be the lazy man. Uh, look at the ant. The ant is, mm. is always working and working hard and just doing what's <laughs> needed to be done and planning ahead for future seasons so that there's enough food. Be like the ant, mm. say the Proverbs. Uh, some people need to hear that, but others need to hear, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. Yeah. Uh, and so we need to hear that call to rest as well. So how how do we do that? Yeah, well, we certainly need to answer the question why do we rest yeah Um, that's exactly right yeah and why does god call us to rest and there's a couple reasons but um Hmm. yeah it's and and i don't want us i don't want anybody to hear that we're we devalue hard work i think that's an extremely important thing i think those who god has created with this incredible sense of work ethic i think that's glorifying to god and an amazing thing um uh, and i think that and I'll, I'll get into this probably a little bit more later, but I do believe that there there is, that, that we are called to rest in Christ even while we're working hard. Hmm. I think that there's a, there's a way to do that. Now, that's a little bit divorced from the conversation of Sabbath rest, hmm. um, but Monday through Saturday, as we are working hard, I think we can also be resting in Jesus, because hmm. I don't think yeah. rest is purely physical rest. Um, I don't think that's what God's necessarily only calling us to. <laughs> yeah. So what is rest then? What would you, if it's not just physical, how would you describe rest to, let's say, a middle school student? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a great question. Middle school, that's, that's a, that can be difficult because you can often describe things to middle schoolers as perfectly as you can get it, and they just don't get it. <laughs> I but, always say, if you can't describe it to a middle schooler, you don't know the subject well <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, I think at the core of, of rest is 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 the question of who. Hmm. Um, rest, when we're called to rest, I do not believe we're called to rest from something. We're called to rest in something. Hmm. So I think when we are resting from these things, it's to allow us to better rest in something, and and that's in our good God, yeah. in the finished work of Jesus Christ. At the core of all rest hmm. is a good God who is in complete control over all things, who loves his children, and who is working all things out for his glory and for hmm. the good of those who love him and follow him. And so when we rest from work, it's so that we can better rest in that finished work and rest in, uh, by studying uh, God and by coming together with our family to point back to Jesus and, and those things. Feel free to disagree. Feel no, free to no, nuance I, that answer or whatever. I'm, I'm pretty sure I agree okay. with that. I think that's a good distinction. We rest from so that we may rest in. That actually does kind of help me think of different passages throughout Scripture on on rest and on the Sabbath in particular. Uh, of course, the first Sabbath comes in the book of Genesis with the seventh day of creation, mm-hmm. which we find uh, mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. And this is God resting from his labors and setting up for the us then a sort of pattern for us to live into as particularly as finite, limited creatures who are not God and who cannot be active at all times. If God rested, we are. how much more should we rest then from our labors? Uh, and so this creates a sort of creational routine of rest, and it, it tells us, among other things, that uh, we can't do it all, and so we must rest. And so we see that in Genesis, the creational design of rest, but then Interestingly, in the Ten Commandments, we are given the command to rest. That's the fourth commandment, Mm -hmm. uh, which we can see, for example, in Exodus 28 through 11, or even again in Exodus 31, 12 through 18. And here it reflects on that creational rest of Genesis. And so it's interesting then that in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 
when the Ten Commandments are given sort of again, uh, we find in uh, verses 12 through 15, uh, the, the Sabbath commandment <clears throat> is not just about creation. It's not reflecting just about what God did in the seventh day. He rested from his works from creation. We actually see connected to that the uh, the command to remember that God freed his people from from slavery in Egypt, and so he has freed them from their labors of, of slavery. And so in that, we see that Sabbath is not just about our creaturely need for rest. It's also a reflection on what God has done in, in freeing us and giving us rest. And so then it takes on an eschatological framework, I, I believe, that it's a freeing from slavery in Egypt, and therefore we should look forward to the freeing mm. from the slavery of sin, which will come in the Messiah. Mm. And so when Jesus comes, Sabbath changes, to say the least. How he observes the Sabbath is different than what is expected. Uh, there's, of course, the healings that he does on the Sabbath, and people are extremely thrown off by this. They're not sure what to make of it, and even a little peeved by it. Yeah. They, they get up in arms, actually, Yeah, they, uh, they with go him. Little, the Pharisees yeah. are not excited about what he's doing, and they see him. They see it as work on the Sabbath, and they see it as, therefore, a blasphemous sort of activity. Uh, but what he has done is he is bringing that sort of release and freedom, uh, and so it's not a problem at all and for Jesus and for God to heal on, on the Sabbath, that's divine work. Yeah. Uh, and so he's bringing that sort of freedom and release that Sabbath has, has meant uh, to the Jewish people. And so then this is why, for example, in the book of Hebrews, uh, the, the theme of Sabbath is picked up and how we are, we are looking for the Sabbath rest. Uh, Sabbath then is seen not merely as uh, something that we do on the seventh day or now for Christians on the first day, but it is something that we are, we are given already in Christ uh, and that we still look forward to the Sabbath day when we will be freed from this world, this mm. fallen world, and we will be with the Lord forever in eternal rest uh, with him. And that's not just eternal sleep <laughs> with God. That will be eternal joy and celebration yeah. and goodness yeah. uh, as God restores us and restores the world. And so with the understanding of the Sabbath scene through through the scriptures, then you can just see a, a, the framework that I've built over the last couple of minutes. Not even a very thick framework, but you can see the basic plot points of how Sabbath uh, extends from the very beginning to the very end. Yeah, and it should that shouldn't surprise us when we think about the weekly schedule. It's it's God's creation, and and so it's sort of creating in us a sense of time. And Sabbath then is we can blow it up and see that it's actually talking about all of time and we're look everything's moving towards sabbath uh it's not just the weekly schedule that we live in everything in our lives everything is moving towards the real sabbath yeah yeah the sabbath certainly helps us to picture realities both future realities and realities now yes and i yeah. think it's a very useful um tool for a unbelieving world to help them Hmm. picture uh these realities as well it's a witness to the unbelieving world that says hmm. and I, ideally it's a witness i think some of the infighting and and disagreements kind of spoil that that witness a little bit hmm. as we uh, we can't agree on some of this stuff or, or at least when we do disagree there's a lot of fighting instead of hmm. unity within the disagreements but uh it's a it's a wonderful witness that says hey uh today i trust that God is in control, that he cares for us, mm -hmm. uh, that that he has saved us, and we trust in his finished work now and and, and uh, future, and uh, you should come be a part of this, right? I think mm. it's a, a, a wonderful picture for, for an unbelieving world as well, or ideally anyways. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I'm not sure if this is entirely what you're getting at, but... You, say, you talk about the wider world, and I haven't done the research on this, but I've heard things over the years that various major corporations and companies have incorporated um, like more days off or more more benefits for workers. Of course, there's Chick-fil-A, who <laughs> famously does not work on Sundays. Yeah, Hashtag closed on Sundays. Uh, but 
I've I've heard of major corporations. I couldn't quote any off the top of my head. Maybe Google. I I don't know. I didn't do the research on this, but I've heard that they've found that by giving employer employees more rest and more time away from work, that actually it has increased productivity, uh, which seems to, I guess, verify the biblical account of in the book of Genesis where uh, rest is seen to be a, a pattern that is for our good. It's actually not for our bad. Of course, the tendency with with observing the, the Sabbath that, a many, that many people have had and the struggle uh, that many have had over the years is that, well, it's one more day that we could be working. We could be making more money, actually. <laughs> uh, and this goes back all the way throughout the New Test or the Old Testament. Uh, people felt like it would have been more productive and economically viable to, to work on this day. It's an extra day. There's more time, and time is money, and let's keep let's keep going. But there has been a, I think, a real recognition uh, <laughs> thousands of years. People have realized, actually, rest is good. Rest is good for land. Rest is good yeah, for animals. True. Rest is good for people. Mm-hmm. Rest is even good for created machines. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some rest. And so things break down and things, therefore, need rest and they need restoration. And that is sort of all baked into the creation that yeah, God has made. Absolutely. Uh, and all of it points towards his in- infinity. I think it, we realize that our creation is is limited. Therefore, creation needs rest. And one day it will be released from its bondage mm. to decay and corruption, yeah. as Romans chapter 8 says. And it will be uh, brought into perfect rest and harmony in the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, but... God does not, and of course he does take a rest, but I, th- I think his rest in the seventh day is is to be seen as a command for us to follow. God doesn't sleep. Yeah. Uh, God is God is always awake. He's always there. Yeah. Uh, he he's n- he's never turned off. He's never far off and distant and and not listening. He is he is there. He's always at work. And so we when we go to sleep at night, and when when we rest physically. Uh, we are, in some sense, entrusting ourselves that the world will keep spinning without me. God will keep being God without me. And so even sleep itself ought to be seen as a worshipful exercise. God, you are good. Therefore, I can close my eyes. I can turn off my, my brain. And I can I can lay in my bed for the next six hours or eight hours if I'm extremely lucky. <laughs> and you will be God and I will be me. And I will be asleep. That's, I don't know. That's something that I've thought about ever since reading DeYoung's book yeah. years ago. Well, I think that's a very freeing state of mind to be able to have to say, hey, sleep is obviously biologically necessary. Yeah. But it's also necessary in a theological sense that you are hmm. giving up your control for at least six to eight hours and saying, well, life will move on. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. My house, I, I trust that my house isn't going to burn down in the middle of the night. I trust that people aren't going to break in. I trust that, you know, mm-hmm. nuclear war isn't going to happen. Yeah. That it, I trust that God is in control. And even if they do happen, that God is still good and, and in control. Yeah. And I think people who listen, who are listening to this, maybe many of you are wondering in your heads, when are we going to get to uh, the big questions, <laughs> the, the hot topic questions um, uh, regarding the Sabbath? And I think we can get there. This is, again, where I think that, uh, yeah, there's things I, I can learn. How, how do we observe the Sabbath on a Sunday, Lucas? What what does your your typical Lord's Day look like for you <laughs> and your family? It's, it's public confession time, okay? Public confession time. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Well, again, like we began the episode, it does not look the way that I would like it to look all yeah. the time. Uh, or, or even most of the time, I, I have a vision of how I would like it to look. I, yeah. I, I by nature, am very idealistic, and I'm very optimistic. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with okay. you, actually. Okay. <laughs> very, yeah. I, my, yeah, my wife would definitely okay. concur. Now, I don't know if you <laughs> experience this, but because I'm like that, I, I think I have lower lows when my idealistic, optimistic vision does not pan out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I feel more of a failure when yes. when it doesn't. Um, and I think I'm not as much of a failure as maybe sometimes I feel. But let me let me get hmm. to your question. Um, a typical Sunday for us looks like Sunday morning worship. Mm-hmm. We go to church. Uh, I'm the youth pastor at Escalon Christian Reformed Church. So 
that's part of my job, mm -hmm. which is another interesting conversation to have as pastors. We work on Sundays. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that can, I don't know if we tackle that or not, but that's an interesting conversation. And I yeah, think as is. pastors, even the most experienced pastors still wrestle with, well, what does our Sabbath day look like? And mm -hmm. what's, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. But, uh, anyways, church on Sunday morning, usually finish up church 12, 1230 hmm. after a time of fellowship afterwards. And then, and then, uh, to finish out the day. So I'll, I'll leave the middle section kind of a mystery for a second. We finish out the day going back to church. Mm -hmm. So we do night church. And I love that where we, we make a concerted effort to say, well, we're going to begin our day with God and end our day with God. Mm -hmm. Um, in between is a little bit more complex, a little bit. That's where I say uh, I fail more than I would like, <laughs> because idealistically, I would say my my Sabbath should look restful in the sense of we're we're we're, we're pulling back from TV, we're pulling back from work, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily. Um, you know, running out for things like if I realize we're out of sugar, not necessarily running out for sugar or whatever that may look like. In in reality, we end up watching TV generally. Mm -hmm. uh, my kids usually get a nap, so that's nice. Um, but usually, it's a it's a day where we do rest physically. But I'm not sure if we're resting in Jesus mm. during that time. Yeah, and I would say we're probably not resting in Jesus during that time. Yeah, and so that that would constitute a failure of Sabbath rest in my my view. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I'm I'm there with you. Uh, I have the ideal of what a Sabbath day would look like, and sometimes I more or less get close to that ideal, uh -huh. um, where it would be, of course, yeah, resting in Christ. Um, and this is an interesting area. For, this is something me and my wife have discussed quite a bit. How do we what do we, what do, we do on Sundays? And we have different views on it, and so uh, it's something that it's yeah it's just an open discussion for for her and i uh but of course our our bare minimum is going to church on sunday um and so we do do that i i think for me uh, i've appreciated the heidelberg catechism's answer yeah uh which we can get into and this is something that i've at least tried to make uh, crucial in my own life mm. um so that's for heidelberg catechism the the catechism goes through the the of course the Ten Commandments, and it goes through each one and talks about what is God's will for you in this commandment, and so question and answer one hundred three uh, is where we find it talking about the Sabbath commandment, and so it says what is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? And it says first that the gospel ministry and education for it be maintained, and that especially on the festive day of rest, that is the Lord's day, I regularly attended. Uh, the assembly of God's people to learn what God's words, God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to God publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. You can basically get the sense that this is what a normal worship service yeah. looks like. Yeah, uh, the teaching Which of God's great. word, sacraments, uh, prayer, and uh, offerings and alms. And then second, it says that in every day of my life, I rest from my evil ways. Let my let the Lord work in me through His Spirit, and so begin already to, in this life the eternal Sabbath. And you can see in these two parts of the answer here, the first part is focusing on what a Sunday ought to look like, and it says to go to church where there is the gospel ministry and education for it, and that I regularly attend this regularly, meaning week by week, every every Lord's Day, as Hebrews chapter ten uh, tells us. And, this, and what we do at church, we learn what his word teaches, we do the sacraments, we pray, and we make these offerings. But then, which we, sort of the other theme we've been looking at all throughout this episode, is uh, how we rest every day. And so already begin that sort of eschatological rest that yeah. we're entering into. We can have it now uh, because Jesus has inaugurated his kingdom. It's here. Uh, but it is still even coming. It's the already and not yet sort of framework. Uh, and so when it comes to the Sabbath observance, for me, that means at the very least I'm getting myself to church. Yeah. I'm not going to miss church. If I'm traveling, if I'm out and about, I'm going to church. I am assembling with God's people. And 
that is a some that's something that won't change can't change exactly and uh, yeah i i will say this is my public confession time uh, <laughs> bailey and i we will go and we will shop on a sunday uh, we will go r- run to the grocery store on a sunday uh yeah i i actually am not entirely convinced that set total sabbatarianism is exactly the standard this is going to be an area i know where our listeners may be uh, of a differing opinion and i very much respect that i very much respect the sabbatarian view as it's come to be known um and we would never never want to violate your conscience in that man absolutely not i think it's a it's a beautiful thing when people do that uh i totally get the logic behind it yeah i'm not persuaded that it's uh necessary for all christians or required of all christians but i also realize i i I could be wrong and i i could be argued away from that Uh, but i have enough faith in my own conscience and my Mm. my own opinion to to do it i was telling lucas uh, we were discussing uh actually a couple weeks ago the possibility of doing any of these episodes together that in an objective sense, going out to eat on a Sunday or whatever, that may be a sin, uh, objectively. It, it's, it could also be a sin if you feel that you're not sure one way or the other, but yet you still go out to eat. That's a sin, but it's a different kind of sin. Mm-hmm. It's a sin of going against your conscience. It's a sin of of searing your own conscience, so to speak. You could think of your conscience as brake pads. That's one way of thinking about it. Uh, your conscience kind of may get you to slow down and mm. and and stop doing something, uh, but if if you wear those brake pads out, you are you're losing a very important part of that of that vehicle or that bicycle, uh, and it will fail to work, and you will get yourself into all kinds of trouble and pain. And so, in the same way, we need to keep our consciences strong. And therefore, in Romans chapter fourteen, Paul talks about uh, not. Um, offending against others' consciences or causing them to offend their own conscience yeah. by doing what they don't believe is right. Uh, and so he talks about uh, drinking wine, for example, in that chapter, or for observing certain days uh, or not. And he says if you don't do what you're doing by faith, which is not the sort of grand idea of faith in Christ, it's it's a, with a confident conscience uh what you're doing is sin because you're harming your own conscience. So whatever you do, you must do it in faith with the confidence that what you're doing is right. It may actually not be right in an objective sense. Yeah. And so that is something that needs to be decided on, on as well. So I talk about my views on Sabbath observance and I realize that objectively I may be wrong and I may therefore be objectively sinning. Mm. I don't feel that I am subjectively sinning by searing my, my conscience uh, by, by going out to eat or going to the store on a Sunday. Uh, but I, I, at the same time, realize that I could be wrong, but I feel like I have enough confidence in my view uh, that I, I don't feel like I'm sinning in that way. Uh, so that, that's an interesting ethical conversation that yeah. I hope is helpful for the listener in sort of uh, parsing this all out. Yeah. Now, of course, we do want to say that uh, anytime your your conscience or what you believe to be your conscience goes against the word of God, uh, you're objectively sinning, even if you don't right. feel like right. it, which yes. is what, really what you were bringing up too. But um, I do think about, uh, and this is where I think the conversation of Sabbath rest can be difficult and complex, is um, I do think that there is an element of it where you are relying on your conscience hmm. in this, because I don't think... That scripture is so straightforward that we could say, well, it looks like this, 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 and this. And when we do say that, um, we do open ourselves up to legalism in some mm-hmm. sense. Although I don't think, I also don't think we should uh, then switch to the other side of the spectrum and just be like, well, whatever goes, goes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't think we should be hyper grace, but I also don't think that mm. we should be um, put. I think we should work hard not to put ourselves in the, in the camp of legalism, I suppose, or binding other people's consciences because we've said th- this, thus saith the Lord when he never said that. Hmm. Um, but uh, I do think it's a, a com- complex topic. I do think, uh, I do believe that the Bible is clear, and th- this is kind of rattling around my head, that one thing we can know for sure 
is that Sabbath rest involves going to the assembly of God. Yeah. To church. Yeah. And um, whether or not your personality says, well, I don't really find it that restful or that worshipful, mm-hmm. or whether or not your conscience uh, makes you feel like you should go or not, <laughs> objectively, not going to church on a regular basis is wrong mm-hmm. and is very, very bad for you spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I would even argue physically. I think there's good mm-hmm. physical benefits to resting in what God has told us to do, especially when, when it comes to going to church. Yeah. And I think that there are there are exceptions to going to church certainly. every Sunday. Certainly. And actually in the Westminster Catechism, it, it gets into this with the famous, uh, I would say, um, description of uh, duties of mercy um, or of necessity. Um, and so historically in the Reformed tradition, I guess the, the simple way of explaining this is that there are some vocations or professions that absolutely need to be attended to uh, on even on Sundays. Yeah. Um, such as uh, emergency technicians yeah. or like emergency workers or first responders. Yeah. Uh, they we, would still need to work. We have uh, a police officer that stands in the back of our congregation and full kitted duty, out right? on duty. Heard, yeah. Yeah. And if he gets called, he leaves. Yeah. But he, he makes an effort to at least be there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's certain like nurses. Yep. My sister-in-law is a nurse. Oftentimes that might might impact her ability to... Yeah. My, so my encouragement to, to nurses would be don't feel shamed yeah. if you can't make it to church. I'd also say you should very tr- strongly try and make an mm-hmm. effort to work out your schedule if you have any sort of seniority to be at church. Uh, you shouldn't just think, well, because I'm a nurse, I get a free pass. Uh, if there, Especially if there are other nurses who are not Christians, who do not share the same conviction as, as you and are willing to work on Sundays, I would say push for, for getting Sundays off as best you can and as routinely as possible. Make that a priority yeah. uh, above anything else you do uh, in regards to scheduling. Uh, that should be a number one priority for you to have the Lord's Day off if you are able. There, there's no reason not to is, is sort of what I'm saying. And so, but at the same time, we have to realize that there are going to be uh, times where you're, you, for a very good reason, aren't able to make it to church. But you should make it a commitment in your mind, a, a conviction of yours, to be in church no matter what. And you make a good point. Regardless of whether or not it feels restful to you, yeah, it may not. Uh, not every church experience or every church that we even find ourselves at in a given season of life uh, will feel very restful, and that's where this uh, subjective-objective distinction comes in. Subjectively, it may feel very difficult for you. Uh, objectively, you need to be there. It's for your good, yeah. and you need to learn to enjoy it as much as possible. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that's that's hard. I get that. I don't say this just brashly or or anything. I, 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 I totally understand that sometimes it can be difficult in certain seasons of life to go to church or to have a particular church that you're at. I know many people in the wake of the passing of a loved one Mm. or a spouse will find it extremely hard to go back to church. Especially if they sat next to you in the pew or something like that. Right. And I get that. It can bring back all these memories and it can make that sadness very, very present to you. Uh, And so I don't, I'm not judging anyone who, who misses church for a week or two or three or whatever, as they sort of are in a grieving process, I would say that's not ideal. Uh, although I'm, I'm not personally too worried about it, yeah. but if, if months have gone by and years have gone by and you just can't bring yourself to do mm. it, I think that something has been revealed in that, that, that you're, you are disobeying the command to be in church. And so there is a, a measure of sin involved there that needs to be reckoned with. And so, objectively church is good for us even though subjectively it may not feel that way yeah and i do also recognize that there's there's other things that prevent some people from going to church um such as social anxiety i i know an individual who is absolutely yeah struggles pretty significantly with social anxiety and he often uh well i think he regularly watches our online services and and uh, participates as best he can, even in the sacraments from home and stuff like that. Um, 
Now, I do want to say, and I think those are totally legitimate, um, and I think there's tremendous grace in that. Those anxieties? or Anxiety and those reasons yeah. for not coming on a regular basis. Um, and maybe I should be, uh, I'll try to be as careful as possible in saying this, but I, my fear, especially as we're coming out of COVID, hmm. and it, COVID almost feels like a me- just a memory at this point. Yeah. My fear is we it's it becomes easy to use things like that as a reason to say, well, I'm not going to go to church. I'm just going to watch it online. Online is great, mm-hmm. but it has made it really easy to just say, well, that's my church hmm. online. And yeah. uh, again, there's legitimate reasons. I know people who have legitimate, very concerning health issues where they cannot open themselves up yeah. to regular human contact. Um, totally get that, but I also know of individuals who stopped going to, to the regular assembly for those reasons and just never came back. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and what I'm saying, I I hope this doesn't come off as judgy. It actually comes. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, man, you're missing out on something that is yeah. so good and so important for you spiritually and yeah. physically. And it's really it's to settle for something far less. Than what God like, than what's so good for you. It's it's less. It's it's uh, a yeah. what's C.S. Lewis' famous quote. It's mud pies in the slums rather than sandcastles on the beach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so yeah, it's not it's not judging and saying get yourself there. It's 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 an invitation. It's a it's a beckoning. Uh, it's rest. Church <laughs> is going to be for your best. It's not that we 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 sit on a high horse and again we don't even. We don't even Sabbath perfectly ourselves. Yeah, uh, the way we would like to. But well, my my natural temptation would be not to go to church. Hmm. Like my natural temptation on a Sunday morning would be sleep in, wake up and have my coffee and watch some TV, mm-hmm. and go about my day. You know. Yeah. That's my sinful inclination. It's an extra weekend day. You know. Yeah. It's an extra Saturday. But I I recognize how good it is. Hmm. Yeah. One final thing that I think comes to mind, and I don't know how much we can say on this, but I I think it's interesting to reflect on. Sometimes it takes work to rest. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, uh, it takes work to be at peace. Uh, one one example would be how how many people will, who are Sabbatarians and will not go out to eat or, or buy anything on a Sunday. Uh, will do a lot of work to try to finish things up and tidy up the house, prepare for the next day's meals by going shopping if needed to prepare for those meals. And so they spend extra work on Saturday to go and work or not work on Sunday so that they may rest. Uh, It may take in the same way, extra planning to rest. Well, it may take some thoughtfulness leading up to a day of rest of how I will prepare to make that day more restful. And so spending spending your days leading up to the Lord's day being thoughtful about how, how can I prepare to make that day even yeah. better for myself? Absolutely. And so I can, I can just put things aside that I shouldn't be attending to anyways. And I can focus all the more on the Lord and maybe I can spend a few hours on Sunday afternoon, uh, reading a, a great book that's mm. going to increase my devotion to the Lord, uh, reading more scripture, maybe even singing more songs, uh, and just having more time to put aside, uh, to take a nap. Yes, I think that's a good thing to do on a Sunday too. Uh, and so being thoughtful in preparation, it's something that comes up with in discussion with my wife and I quite a bit is that uh, we need to be more thoughtful about creating uh, good date nights or good oh, good, yeah. good good vacations or uh, and being more intentional about our time together, mm-hmm. not just being, a, oh, hey, it's uh, we'll 6 on p.m. on a Tuesday phones. night. Let's just, <laughs> yeah, let's just turn on Netflix and look at our phones. And oh, if you need to do some work and I need to do some work, we'll just go and do our thing. But no, how do we actually sort of plan and prepare better time together? And the same can be said about our rest with the Lord, uh, not just on the Sabbath day, but I think especially on the Sabbath yeah. day. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, there's a, a book called um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Um, I I rec I'd, I wouldn't say I recommend it. I think it's a good read. I think he gets to the right place sometimes for the wrong reasons, hmm. but I think he gets to the right place. Um, there's a 
chapter in the book on John chapter 14, 15, which mm, is, yeah. I am the vine and you are the branch. Jesus is the vine. Uh, his The father is the, the, the vine keeper, the gardener, and, and his people are the branch. Mm. In the chapter, he talks about how rest is the trellis that holds up the, the vine and the branch and keeps us, I don't know, healthy. Right. Yeah. I totally disagree. I, in fact, I think it's crazy to say. Well, there, there's no in in the parable. There's no uh, there's no trellis. mention of a trellis. But I'm just gonna say the 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 point is is rest is not a trellis in itself. Hmm. Jesus is the rest. Jesus yeah. himself is what keeps the vine. That's why health, we abide in him. Exactly. We abide in our our Sabbath rest. Who is Jesus? Yeah. The fulfillment of the Sabbath. And also. Oddly enough, mysteriously enough, that is how we are fruitful too. Exactly. Yeah. We yeah. rest in him. Exactly. And through him he he bears fruit. We we cannot we we are dead branches if we are not abiding in Jesus. And if we are yeah. not abiding in Jesus, the the divine gar- gardener prunes those branches. Well, he prunes the good branches, but he strips off the bad branches, throws them in the fire cuz yeah. they're they're in the way and they're unhealthy. But um my point in that is Abiding is both a restful kind of um, uh, stepping back and allowing it to happen, but it's also a work as well. It's mm-hmm. also something where we we read our Bibles that mm-hmm. takes work, where we pray that I would say is less work, but it, it does take the time. We have to take the time to do that. It yeah. does take going to church. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about how we are to grow up in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, we're not to just be passive and and uh, kind of let it happen to us, uh, yeah. but we are to grow in the knowledge. And how do we do that? Through the study of God's word, yeah. through prayer, through through what we're doing here, talking with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Hmm. Um, so, and I hate to use the word work too, because I think maybe in the front end it's work. But as yeah. you get into it and as you grow to love it, it's not work. There's an activity to it, I guess. An activity, yeah. Um, yeah. And now, this is not salvation, right? We're not earning anything. <laughs> yeah, but good point. it's part of our sanctification. It's part of our growth in Jesus. Yeah. That's a that's a great point. Rest, true rest in Christ won't all won't just feel like we're turning everything off and we're just vegging out and we're totally kicking our feet up and not doing anything. And think about the most restful days or moments you've experienced in your life. Uh, for me, when, when I think of that restful day, I don't think of a day where I've been, you know, like on my phone, vegging out, watching Netflix, playing video games yeah. all day long. That Those actually are days that fill me with anxiety. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. And that, even though I crave, to, I crave doing those sort of like vegging out things, you know, I'd love to just eat a bag of Doritos and watch eight <laughs> hours of Netflix. That'd be yeah. great. Um I know that that would fill me with there's just more anxiety and I wouldn't feel very rested at the end of that. I would yeah. actually feel like I need to just keep doing it in order to just avoid uh, the world. Um, that's that's numbing. That's not resting. For me, the the days I can think of that have been the most restorative are I, I think of moments where I've been around a table with friends mm. or uh, I've been I can think of like for whatever reason a picture of family vacation that I went on a couple of years ago up to our family cabin and all my siblings and okay. my wife and my, my mom and my stepdad were sitting around a table eating tri-tip and pilaf and salad and nice. just having a great time together and being out in, in nature. It was up in the mountains near Shaver Lake, uh, east of Fresno. Moments like that are very restful. And, that, yeah. and in that, that moment, it wasn't vegging out. It was being very intentional, being with my family, being having conversations with them, spending the whole day going to the lake, which included a lot of a lot of walking and moving yeah, and being yeah. active, being in the sun. Uh, all of these things was just. It, but it was a very restful day. Came yeah. home from that weekend, though I was physically tired, extremely recharged. Yeah, uh, and that's just one picture. There's been there's been dozens more and and i guess that's like that's where my mind has been going so much with this topic i do think there's an important element of physically resting mm-hmm. but i think we fall in the mistake of thinking that's the only way to rest in jesus yeah i think you can rest while being dead tired in fact 
some yeah. of my most... staying up really late with friends. Have you ever done that? And oh, yeah. you have a conversation till four a.m. Yeah, and that yeah. is extremely restful, though you're not physically <laughs> rested. <laughs> now I wouldn't suggest doing that every day of the week. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, no, that's and that's an important point. And I, I some of my most restful memories are mission trips. Or hmm. um, I used to go up to a camp. We're actually going with the youth group this summer called Camp Attitude for eight weeks. Hmm tremendously hard work and i needed to rest physically after that i think eight weeks you were there it was eight weeks loved every single second of it Hmm. and that was some of the most rejuvenating restful spiritual time of my life Hmm. Uh, yet i was dead tired when i get home and i think to glorify god i needed to rest physically after that but uh Hmm. yeah i guess i that's that's just where what i've been trying to think through because i i don't want to demand people to just stop and like, because I know that's not how life is. Just reality, yeah. we gotta work and we, we're busy. And mm-hmm. and I do think maybe some of us should take a step back, pray about it, and maybe cut some stuff out of our lives. Yeah. But in reality, we still will be busy. So how do you rest even while you're busy? How do you rest in in who God is and 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 the truth of. Or, or what is true true rest, which is Jesus Christ. How do you do that? So That's the adventure we're all on, yeah. I think, figuring that one out. And we hope that in some small way, this episode has helped you to consider how to rest well. Uh, maybe you've even found it restful to your soul, listening to us <laughs> wrestle with all of these things. Uh, and so thank you once again for listening, for tuning in to uh, Reformed Podmatics. We would love if you would go ahead and write an iTunes review or a review on whatever uh, podcast app that you use. Uh, that really helps uh, get the word out about what we're trying to do here in helping our church, our denomination, and the global church on a much larger scale as well. And so, again, thank you. We hope that you. the Lord blesses you and keeps you in the week ahead. 